check. Check. Uh, negative, I think. Telemetry, go. Seven. My answer is seven. The answer is Sorry, I'll have a can of purple, please. Nope, good to go here. Okay, let me do this. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Nope, 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 nope. Hello, Podnutsians. Welcome to The Makers Episode 3, the podcast where we try every week to build, break, and learn. Uh, I got a full cast of uh, hosts here this week, starting out with uh, Brett. Uh, Brett, this week, did you uh, build, break, or learn anything interesting? Um, this week was actually an eventful week for me. Um, built a wireless TV, broke a lot of things, and learned quite a few things as well. So your middle name is Tesla? You made a wireless TV? Yeah, I put a battery on a with a Chromecast on a TV. Oh, that's good. Now, uh, is this a... I'm guessing this is not general purpose. This is for a specific task? Yeah, it's actually for uh, doing presentations to uh, hopeful uh, people that want to invest or whatever you want to call it in a couple things I'm working on. Awesome. Uh, do you roughly know how long the battery will last? I did it to about six and a half hours, if I remember right, based on uh, based on my rough calculations. Wow, that that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, can we maybe in for the notes get a couple specs from that? Can we get um the type of battery you had, and if there was any extra components you had to add into it? Yeah, sure, no problem. Very how cool. big was the TV? Twenty four inch. Wow. Very cool. Uh, we're also joined by Aaron from Oregon. I hope I said that right for a change. Um, this week, did you build, break, or learn? Um, yes, I built some Y-axis mods, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, I, I didn't learn anything. Well, I learned that uh, people can take a joke, so that's good, and uh, <laughs> I didn't break anything. Okay, well, I guess that's good. Well, no, that's not good. You should break something. We should all break something. Uh, Chad, uh, you've been... you. But you, then I don't have the money. Oh, well, then that's not good. Um, Chad, you seem to be a little bit quiet this week, so I'm going to assume you've been busy, and I'm hopefully you've been busy in a good way, building, breaking, and learning. Yeah, I've been really busy this week. Um, yeah, there's my dog. Um, yeah, hold on a second. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been busy this week. It's been other stuff besides the making things, but... Um, yeah, I've broken, made, yeah, all that stuff. Very cool, very cool. Any of it that you can share? Yeah, I've been, um, I haven't really printed anything in the last couple of weeks, um, but I've been working a lot on my uh, CNC machine, the router, and I uh, only made a clock, a um, couple light switch covers, and uh, I've been sharing them with you guys and stuff, but... Uh, I should probably share them to other people. Well, and I'll say if you want to, you can also share them on the Instagram feed. And if you are too busy or don't want to, just uh, you can shoot them over to me, and I will share them to that as well. Um, or give me permission to kind of thing. Um, I will say I'm liking the seeing seeing um that I'm seeing you do. Um, I don't want to say it's more than I thought was possible. It to me looked exactly like what I thought was uh, possible. And I gotta say, I I think they're coming out looking fantastic. 
Oh, I am more than satisfied with the quality of that MPCNC. Um, <laughs> my dog's going crazy. Um, yeah, it's just performing unbelievably well. I mean, something you I printed most of the parts besides the electronics, and oh, I am impressed with it. Very cool, very cool. Uh, we're also joined this week by Flying Rich uh, from Hughes Southern Compound Southern Command. Hughes Compound Southern Command, the HCSC as opposed to the HCNC. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's funny. I'm, I did make a video. Uh, it's posted on my YouTube channel, and you can find my media at flyingrich.com. And I, I did like a weekly roundup of what I printed and a lot of my motto for printing is I want to print something where every stinking last part comes off the printer, that I don't need to go to the hardware store for anything. And I modified my printer, and I put some extra screws in it. So I just designed some standoffs um, that would accept a 3-millimeter screw. So I printed the part. I, I printed a boatload. So if you want to go um, to my YouTube channel, go to flyingrich.com. You can see the video there, my 3D printing uh, stream. The, I broke the printer. Crazy things started happening with the printer. The, the thing worked reliably for months and had all sorts of things going wrong. And I thought it was attributed to the firmware update. To I moved to Marlin, you know, the Skynet Marlin software. And uh, also, as far as a warning on breaking things and really printing wrong things, uh, I printed something and I thought it was a three-quarter inch EMT uh, part that you know would uh, snug up around a, a three-quarter inch uh, electrical conduit. Um, and then I, you know, like kind of crudely measured it, I'm like, oh, oh, it must be one inch. And I picked up one inch conduit, and it's like, no, it's even bigger than that. So the scaling was completely off. So this is the second time I got bit by the scaling bug that I didn't properly scale things. So just a warning to you folks out there that are going to be downloading something, thinking it's the right size, check it. Well, it's like when you build stuff by hand, you measure twice, cut once. Here you measure twice, print once, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Measure measure once, print once is good enough, too. Also, the, the other thing I've been having issues with, uh, all of this was for a monitor base, and uh, I'm printing in PLA, and if I print the legs right side up, they curl up, and then I flipped them upside down, I printed one, it's still curled up. And, and I think I'm going to scrap my idea for the monitor base being all PLA and make it out of EMT with, like, a PLA connector. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, we're also joined this week by Liam. Uh, Liam, um, you helped me build Break and Learn, but what have you done yourself? Oh, let's see. It's been two weeks, I believe. Um, so that means I've built and broken two printers, along with upgrading them. Um, I've built a coffee cart for the wife. Uh, what else have I done? They've... I've I've done a poor job of keeping notes for myself. That's what I've broken for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I did get my CR10 in. Um, my son uh, wanted to help build it, so he sat with me, helped to build it. But at the same time, I had extreme hold hand holding from uh, Liam and Aaron during that process because I I had I don't want to say stupid questions, but they were questions that were not addressed in any of the um in um 
instructions. Sure. Sl- CR10, don't you un- open the box and no. plug it in? And there were slight um, discrepancies between pictures and what I got. So I just wanted to make sure, should I do this? Should I not do that kind of thing? And it really was kind of things that in the end, I don't think mattered. It, it would have been fine doing it almost either way. Um, but I got it set up uh, from setup time to first fully completed. And I, what I think of as a very successful build was less than three hours total work time maybe two, two and a half hours. The only thing that took time was because this printer does not have auto bed leveling was the bed leveling process. I honestly think took just as long, if not longer than the build process. And that's only because, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I righty, tighty, lefty, loosey gets reversed in my head all the time, even though I know right, but is it the top right or the bottom to right? I don't know. So that was what took the most amount of time. And I had a successful printing of a test cube. I had a successful printing of uh, Minecraft somethings and then uh, a Frogger like toy for my youngest son. So I was able to build. And I'll say this. Unfortunately, I didn't break anything. And it's only because I had the hand-holding from the guys uh, in the process. And even all the prints I did, I didn't even have my slicer completely configured. Since they have similar printers, I was getting STL uh, G-code from them to print. So I just literally just took the file to email, put it on the SD card, put it up to the printer, hit hit print. And one time my son begged me, he said, can I just watch it print once, Dad? It's like, yeah, I don't care. So I did a test cube for him, and he just sat there giggling for like the whole half hour. Oh, All right. so totally mesmerizing. I, in, in two things on that. One, I'm completely jealous because my wife and daughter could care less. In fact... I printed out a Harry Potter, uh, whatever castle, something you know, Hogwarts, because my wife's a big Potterhead, and uh, you know, she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's nice." And then it, it was on the shelf next to the TV for a couple of days, maybe, and then I find it, you know, like underneath in the cabinet now. It my family has zero interest, it, and what's remarkable is. Um, my my wife is a lover of tech, not a techno techie, you know, more of a technophile as opposed to a techie. And her mother's the same way. And when her mother heard that I had a 3D printer, she's like, can I come over and see it? Can you print me something? I'm like, you don't want to see it. it. It takes hours to do anything. She's like, can you print me something? I'm like, yeah, yeah no problem. So that was, and it's very interesting who thinks 3D printing is interesting and who just could care less. So, Dor, I got to say, I'm completely jealous that your son has an interest in this. Well, he does, but I love him, and I don't know if history is an example. He'll be interested for a week or two, and then he won't care. But you know, time will tell. Well, and and the other thing about the mesmerizing, and I may have said this before on the podcast, is I have a partner desk which is like dining room table sized, and I had the printer here on my desk. And I moved it into the garage because it it's like, you, you know, watching construction equipment. You could just sit there all day and stare at it. Uh, so I had to get out of my office. Otherwise, I was never going to do anything productive again. Yeah, I set it up in the garage where right now everything is fully exposed. My logic is I buy the printer and I slowly over time put the um, 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 in, um, in, um, in um, closure on. I eventually buy a thing to hold the, the filament inside a place where it's humidity, at least, I don't want to say controlled, but there's a, at least a try to control it. 
um, and things like that. So for right now, it's literally just sitting on uh, some uh, lack tables in my garage by itself, lonely. Um, I, I watched the printer, but then I couldn't stop fiddling with the speed knob going 150 and then seeing it going faster, then 125, and then watching it go slower, then 165, and watching it go quicker, and I just couldn't stop going see how did that to you. Yeah, it's too bad on the CR10. The the firmware that's on their stock only goes to 200. That's all I'm saying, Nor. So you got to flash it. I did that with with my uh, FT5, and it actually changed the color of the print. It was kind of cool. Changed the color of the print? Yeah, it would. Uh, it printed out a darker blue. It's Jonas came up with something called, uh, or saw something called velocity painting, which is really interesting. Okay, mind blown. Yeah, when you print at different speeds, um, you'll get different finishes, more glossy, more um, more matte, as well as some translucencies. But you need to asterisk that with um, it's. Uh, different speeds, but the same flow, you know? Correct. So basically you're getting a different density then? No, no, it's just a different surface finish. Well, technically it would be the density of the, the uh, at that point, but it's so minuscule that you'd never notice it, I don't think. Gotcha. Um, and I will say, um, the to put this thing together, literally, a kid could have put it together. That's how easy it was to put the printer. Together. So did both your kids help you do it? No, no. My youngest, no. He, I wouldn't let him because all he would do is try to break it and then get put his finger someplace and get cut or something and then cry to mom that dad's a jerk. <laughs> um, I will say the bed leveling is the only thing where it took actual, you know, attention to detail kind of thing. And it really is the kind of thing you can print. The impression I'm getting is you can print with a less accurately leveled bed but then your prints might or should suffer just a little bit so what's what um a method of bed leveling did you use to do it i guess i haven't seen anybody bed level the cr10 yet okay well liam led me through a process of basically what i'm going to say is taking the bed raising it um, um, bringing the Z down to where it just triggered, just like triggered, and then bringing the bed up as close as possible to the head and starting in, in one corner and then going to the opposite corner, then going to another corner, then going to the opposite corner and getting it so close to where there was, I, I could see a reflection of light between the head and the glass, but if I took a piece of paper and put it between the the actual nozzle and the glass, I could feel the friction of it. Yeah, I like that method. That's um, you you just got to repeat it, you know, because when you bring up one side, you, <laughs> you tend to fall on the other side. Um, that seems to be the most accurate way of doing it. Then you ain't adjusting your end stops or anything. Well, and then after the first print of the test cube, the only thing that they were critical of was the bottom, the uh, side that was on the um glass so after my first print i made a little adjustment a little adjustment a little adjustment i did maybe i'd say two layers maybe of printing and then just killed it and looked at the bottom again and then we did like one more set of tweaks to where i i'm guessing we could probably tweak it a little bit more but for now i think that's acceptable dude i'm totally jealous not only do you have this printer and it prints really nice 
but it's like got a glass bed also. That that's fantastic. Oh, and I'm um, you know I've heard you guys go through a lot of I'll just say trials. It seems like trying different things, printing on uh, Capcom tape, which I'm calling Capcom tape, like Street Fighter Capcom, because I don't know what the hell it's called. Um, blue tape, uh, purple glue stick, invisible glue stick, and all kinds of other things. And I'm guessing because of the glass and because of the setup and because of the quality of the filament, ding, 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 next topic, I'm able to basically just print right on the glass with no nothing on it. That's nice. And that has a lot to do with how well you set your your level of your print and you got your first layer got that just right so that's good well and i and i had to explain to a friend i said look you don't understand it takes the normal person like three months to get to where i'm at now and i've and i've only printed little things here and there because of you guys so there's really no way i thank you guys for the assistance um but i want to make it clear to everyone Anybody can get this type of assistance. All you have to do is ask. And there are people out there who will help you, and we will try to help you as well. Yeah. Um, so going back, um, proper first layer height is kind of like having the right amount of air in your tires. you, you got to get really out of whack before things get dangerous. You can use them when they're not properly inflated but you're not going to get ideal results. And it's just slowly making that. I, th I think right now you're a little bit too squished on it, which is fine. I'd rather be too squished than not squished enough. Um, so too low than too high. Um, and then we still need to tune it in with the correct glue stick as well. But yeah, um, I mean, my first printer, I, it was a week of fighting the thing to get it to print properly and learn it. And I'm, I'm very bad about asking for help, extremely bad. Um, but yeah, if anybody has questions, reach out. Um, there's there's tons of ways to get a hold of us. Yeah, and I'll say that's going to lead me into the first email. Um, long time Podnuts, uh, Podnutsian, and a guy I consider a friend. I, I I haven't met him at a conference yet, but time will fix that. I'm positive. Um, it uh, goes like this. It's uh, from Lyle. It, it says, hey, Dor, great show like drinking water from a fire hydrant. I just got I just got started printing with the craft bot. I guess it's as it is as close to a plug and play as it gets. So now I'm taking it this is not a um, kit type printer, but this is more of your all in one open the box and start printing printer. Yeah, it's uh I think they're um what twelve Twelve hundred dollars? Does that sound about right, uh, Liam? I'm just looking them up. I, I I know I'd looked at them a long time ago. I think these are the ones tested and used at one point. Gotcha. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they're thousand twelve hundred. There's an eighteen hundred dollar one. Well, yeah, like there's the a bunch of different XL ones. is eighteen hundred. Yeah, so this is basically when you don't want to tinker, you don't want to stress, you just want to print. Uh, and the email goes on to say uh do you guys know of a screw kit or a per or a particular size that will work with most prints eventually i hope to learn how to change the stl files to match screws i want to use number two i need to make one of my prints deeper z-axis where do i start with changing the stl file i um i 
I don't really want to learn CAD. Number three, sometimes a sometimes a print sticks to the bed. Should I use a glue stick or hairspray? Wow, Aaron, I can right now feel him freaking out. Um, is there a is there a downside to putting stuff on the bed? Uh, thanks, Lau. P.S. I I know you sort of answered some of some of that. Something about websites and training wheels. Uh, listening has really helped me understand how it works. So I'm going to say number one. Do you guys know of a screw kit or par or or particular size that will work with most prints? Eventually, I hope to learn how to change the STL files to match the screws I want to use. What I'm going to guess is it depends on what application you use to edit the STLs. And I'm hoping there's at least one or two of them that might have some prefabbed um, screw shapes or sizes built into it. Okay, so on Thingiverse, there are customizable objects, and I think there are customizable screws. So screws and bolts and nuts, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I think he's talking about the actual opposite. He wants to be able to have a hole the size of the screw that he wants, not the screw itself. So when I read this the first time, I think I was confusing myself with reading to it through it too fast and thinking he was wanting to upgrade the, the Z screw in his printer, which obviously the way that one's put together is not simple. Um, the most common screws that projects require that I'm running into are going to be M3, M4, and then to a lesser degree, the on the either side of that, M2, M5, most everything seems to be metric. Okay, so are any of these? Uh, and I and I'm going to say designer software, but this entails um, on shape Tinkercad, Fusion 360, those kinds of applications. Do any of those applications have like preset um, screw hole sizes? I think in Tinkercad there is some, <clears throat> and I know that, but he doesn't want to learn a CAD program. I know in Fusion 360 you can. Um, you, there's a plugin for that, um, but that is a learning curve to start using Fusion 360 if he doesn't want to learn CAD. But um, the only other thing to uh, alter an STL would be to mesh ugh, mesh mixer, <sighs> but that isn't gonna have these anything for the exact right screw hole tolerances or anything it ain't gonna have that i don't really know without getting into a cad program an easy way to do that well here's the thing i i think he's thinking autocad that kind of thing tinkercad is pretty easy he really ought to just jump in and test drive that yeah, I'm with Rich on this one. Your first best bet's going to be Tinkercad because you can build up a collection of add-remove parts to modify simple things anyways. When you start talking about um, multiple and complex compounds on models and STLs, it's going to be a little more tricky. But at the same time, it's going to 100% depend on what you're trying to do. Um, you can modify STLs a tiny bit in auto, um, one two three d design, which is a retired product now. Um, you can do the same in Fusion 360, 
but depending on how heavy the triangles are in the STL, you're going to get mixed results, and oftentimes you're going to have to do multiple conversions um, to be read and mesh and back and forth to get things where you want them. It's, it's, it's definitely not easy with any of the tools that I've used. That's not to say there's not something out there that works well and easy, just nothing that I've found. So if, if you're listening and you know that tool, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and what I'm going to guess is not all not all STLs are of the same quality. Dare I say? So it's going to depend on what exact STL file he has. Because like in Onshape, I imported I want to say like four STL files. One of them came across ridiculous, and it was like I couldn't do anything with it or to it. Two of them had at least some level of stuff I could modify and then the third one came in as everything on it was its own uh object so it was infinitely like customizable so i'm gonna guess that might play a part as well well yeah you're gonna have issues of depending where was the stl was made and exported from is gonna be a you know determining if it comes in in bunches or if it comes in as one object and um there is a whole thing of taking out of a CAD program runs a totally different um, surfacing. Um, how do you explain that? Um, like an STL is all square, straight lines. It's vector. You know, it's all straight lines. Whereas CAD programs are a mixture of straight lines and curves, you know. And for an STL to be converted into a CAD program, it's 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 making much more faces than that CAD program wants to handle. So, Mesh Mixer would be good if you already have a previous um, STL and you want to edit it. And that's got very similar tools to a Tinkercad and stuff. You can, but it's got sculpting, so you can change different things too. It's it's a lot like Blender in some ways. But yeah, if somebody's got a better program, I'd love to hear it too. Yeah, and then the other big thing with going in and out of Mesh Mixer is you lose scaling. So if you've got an M3 bolt, you go in and you mess with it and you export it back out. Well, now that thing might be an M1000. It's just the scaling's all over the place, so you have to have some something you can reference to rescale things as well. It's it's definitely not simple. Gotcha, gotcha. And I think you're going to see a running theme with these questions. So that was number one. Number two, I um he says I um I need to make one of my prints deep deeper Z axis question mark. Where do I start with um with um changing the STL file and and then like he says I don't really want to learn CAD. I can safely say I've used CAD stuff in the past in my previous lifetime kind of thing. I used CAD a lot. Looking at on shape, looking at what I saw with Tinkercad, let me tell you something. This is not the same thing. This is literally like going from a tricycle to a Dodge Tomahawk concept car slash motorcycle thing. These are not, these are completely different things. So what I'm going to guess he's going to have to do is load up something like Tinkercad, import the STL file, and look at extruding the Z to be basically a different depth, which I think, if I understand the terms, I'm at least on the right track. So depending on if he wants to make it taller overall or just change one part of the feature, 
he's got a couple options. So it, it's a tube. He just needs it to be longer in the Z. Well, that's built into all slicers, at least all slicers that I've messed with. Yeah. You double-click the object, you right-click it, select properties, however you get to the, the percentages. You can adjust the XYZ percentages um, ah, individually. You're right. I didn't even realize that. So you don't even have to go into the modeling program, like in a Cura, the one that, um, that I right now have loaded. Uh, right on the left-hand side, there's a thing that says scale. We're right there. It says 100%, 100%, 100% X, Y, and Z. So in real time, you can just come over, go to the X, Type in 150 and then tab out of it. And then in real time, you see the thing get bigger. This is okay. Okay. That is, un- you don't need to learn no CAD, Lyle. You just need to use an application, a uh, slicer. That is cool. I, 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 yeah, yeah, good, good, good. And then that's also how you'll mirror objects as well. So you're, you're making a set of bookends for whatever you're printing. You need something that's mirrored. Um, those are in that same area generally on the slicers. Oh, so if I'm literally making a left-handed thing, I can only have to design it once, and then in the slicer I can say mirror, and it's going to flip everything, and I can pick to flip everything over the uh, uh, well, x-axis, <laughs> and then I can make mirror it to that side, and then it basically becomes like a right-handed thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I did when I uh, printed those Y-axis parts. It only had the one side. You know, you get all your uh, settings that you want. You click, uh, and of course this is in Simplify 3D. You go up to uh, Mesh Mirror and uh, click it, and it automatically generates um, the exact same part except reversed. That's awesome. So you don't need to learn CAD for this, Lyle. You just need a slicer application. That's where you take the SDL file, import it to your final modifications, set your printer temperature and stuff if you want to, and export it to the G code for the printer to print. Now, now here's the thing. It wouldn't shock me if this printer would actually accept. Could this printer accept STL files and do all the G coding on it? I'm not aware of any that do. Um, usually they're going to take uh, what .obj? No, not .obj. There's STL and there's one other common one that they that most seem to support. OBJ, yeah, your object file, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, what I will say, Lyle, I've only downloaded Cura, C-U-R-A. Uh, if you are using Linux, I like the fact that what you download is a single app image file which is just one file. You just have to right-click it, go into permissions, make sure it can execute, and then double-click it, and you have the application. You don't need to install it. You don't need to worry about building from source or anything complicated like that. It is that easy. And then right on the very left-hand side, it's very easy to change the scale, the row, the, um, the, um, the um, row, um, row, um, tation, where it sits on the bed. Now, if you need help configuring the profile and the printer configuration for Cura. Don't hesitate to give us a buzz. We will help you out with that. Now, the third question, Aaron, I'm going to let Aaron go on this one. He says, sometimes I, sometimes the actual print sticks to the bed. Should I use glue stick or hairspray? Hairspray. Shut your mouth. You never use hairspray. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I've, yeah, I mean, you can try hairspray, but I guarantee if you don't pull, if you're not using glass to begin with, you're going to make a huge mess all over your printer. Uh, 
And even if you are using glass and pull it off and spray it somewhere else, uh, I, I I wouldn't do it. Um, glue sticks the way to go if you're asking just on both of those. But other than that, I would move on to like PEI tape or um, I know Chad and Liam have been having great luck with Kapton tape. And uh, in fact, I'm, I got to get some uh order some big rolls of that to uh, try that as well and then the easiest way to pull pull it off from that is use uh what water and alcohol com uh 50 50 or something like that right guys yep that's what i use yep i use a sharp knife yeah so um i, I guess i was unclear on whether he was saying sometimes they do stick or sometimes they do stick too well um but we can address both if it's sticking too well that's just a matter of um, generally giving it some extra Z height. Um, if it's not sticking, which is kind of the more common problem, the go-to answers are blue tape and Elmer's purple glue stick. Um, if you can't solve adhesion issues with those two things, you've got a filament problem or you've got a leveling problem. Well, I'm going to take for granted with this printer. Or your name's Richard. Oh, wow, man. Man, I know. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say with this printer, I'm going to be highly suspect whether it is a leveling issue. Um, I'm hoping it's a filament issue. And I will say, when this is like um, in the Linux operating system, whenever there's a problem, you just say permissions. Because so oftentimes, the issue is permissions. With 3D printing, it seems like the go-to thing to tell somebody when they're having issues is the filament change your filament try different filaments see what you have and it's really nothing more than a trouble trouble like um trouble shooting thing to see if a different filament has a different reaction or if it's the same reaction is it the filament or is it the hardware is it the software is it the hardware you mean kind of thing um if it isn't sticking to the bed then to me that almost i mean i i would definitely think the z might be the issue um the glue stick the most important thing i, I, I cannot emphasize this enough don't just use glue stick, okay? Don't use gel glue stick, or else you'll be sitting there with like a with like a scraper scraping it off your bed for like five minutes. I should know. I did it. Yeah, Sorry, the, Richard. I couldn't resist, man. <laughs> the no only glue stick that's worth a damn is is the Elmer's purple disappearing glue stick. Catch it when back to school sales just. Oh, fill, a, fill a basket with it. And Dor made the same mistake I did. I got like the five pack on Amazon and it was like quarter ounce sticks. So it's kind of like the starter toner cartridges. Oh no, my mistake was I went into my local grocery store and I saw gel glue sticks and I thought, oh. and I took, the, and, and, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming anybody, but I took a picture of the damn things and I put it in Voxer and no one said that's the wrong stuff. So I'm going to blame Voxer for not displaying the the picture properly. So I picked it up, I brought it home, and I thought I got my I'm good to go now. And it, it was the wrong stuff. So this year when school starts, I'm going to be throwing them in the kids' backpacks. But but I have the right stuff now. Yeah, with glue stick, I I've had one stick, and I've had it since I got the printer, and I have used hairspray. And it works great, but it does make a mess, you know. Um, the 
once you get your your Z height, all your your first layer adhesion correctly. I don't know. I haven't used any glue stick since I got that all dialed in, but that takes some learning what is the right layer height, you know. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Chad now. Um, the oh, I've got five printers now. The only one I use glue stick on is my FT5. No, that's a lie. I'm sorry. Um, I use it on the FT5 because the heat bed's kind of crap and doesn't get hot enough to get a proper stick on the glass. And then I use glue stick on my Tronxy, which does not have a heated bed. So we print on it directly on Garolite. Um, and that works great. But yeah, that's the only place I use glue stick anymore. Garolite as in fiberglass? Yes. Huh. So, now, well, really quick question, Liam. Glue sticks, I'll say this, this is a disadvantage. Glue sticks cost pennies. I mean, you can get a uh, a um, three-pack of 1.4-ounce jumbo sticks for, like, I want to say, like, eight bucks on sale kind of thing. So it's not expensive. Hypothetically, let's say something happens, the market explodes, glue sticks all of a sudden become $80. How much would it cost you to upgrade that bed to not have to worry about glue sticks? Uh, minimal. It's it's a effort issue. I have the updated bed heater for the FT5. I'm just waiting on the remainder of parts. I don't. With the FT5, it's a bear to move around and to work on. And so instead of going through multiple little upgrades, I want to do all of the upgrades at once and then just do the uh, the big fight one time. Yeah, five printers. What's the deal? Well, he needs to print five things at a time, obviously. Um, so I think that's really good information. We will have links to the tools we're suggesting um, and the uh, glue sticks in the notes. Um, uh, thank you very much, Lau. And again, Lau, please, if you have follow-up questions, don't hesitate. And I'll throw myself out there. Personal, well, A, if you want to come on the show, you're more than welcome to come on the show. Uh, if you would like to do a hangout where you can talk to us, live and in-person kind of thing just let us know we will we will try to help you out um the next email is from uh, uh captain zero and it goes like this um hey guys in the last episodes when you started talking about places to find ready to print objects i remember the search engine yegi y-e-g-g-i i can tell you guys i don't believe this is one that i heard about have you yep use it all the time yeah, it's for uh, anything 3D printed. Um, and I'm going to say the uh, yardstick I'm going to use is Tinker as um, Thingiverse. Thingiverse to me appears like it's almost like the Craigslist of places. You can find anything there, but you also might find stuff of lesser quality there. So compared to that, how would you rate this site? Like um, Yegi, I think, or whatever, however it's pronounced, is an aggregator of multiple sites so it's nice to be able to just search there and you may be able to find something on thingiverse something on multiple other sites and i can't remember the name of the sites that are um only prints that have been proven to print and be good but those will come up in the yagi shirt searches and stuff so it's more of an aggregator of stuff gotcha gotcha um, the email goes on to say, um, Yegi searches all the usual 3D sites. Well, there you go. And it gives you all the links. It is still up to the individual to to make sure the item found can be 
can be printed. If you can't seem to find something you really want or need, a quick search using Yegi might turn on something on the site that you might not normally check. You can create a uh, a uh, a account on it, uh, but you but your search is the same account or not. Uh, the account does let you make lists where you can keep like your own personal list of items that you can revisit later. Um, I will say the same disclaimer was I'm going to put with this site. If you only see images of rendered images, it should be less trustworthy. Where in where where if you see real 3D printed items, it should hold more value to it. Um, the email goes on to say a um a another site where all the files are um are printable is 3DAGOGO 3DGOGO 3DGOGO 3D a gogo sure yeah that's what I'm saying um and I'll tell you right now you just lo- you just launched the uh main site and at least the first things on the first page look really nice um the email goes on to say um many of the designs are not free but there but there are some that are the site has not been around that long, so it doesn't have many files yet, but it appears to be popular with designers who wish to sell their designs. And and con and congratulations to Door for having ordered a 3D printer. I can't wait to hear how it turns out. Christian aka Captain Jack B. Nimble, Jack B. Quick, Jack 3D printed a candlestick zero. Uh Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Christian. I did print one, and he did ping me at 2 o'clock in the morning the other night on, like, a Thursday. I wasn't out front of Chad's house with fireworks, but I was in my garage printing, and I posted a picture. And he pinged me at, like, 2, 3 in the morning and said, what are you doing up? Don't you have to go to work tomorrow? To which I replied, yes, i got to be up in about four hours, but I'm busy printing. And so he understood. Um, 3D... A go go. I will say I really like the idea of that site, um, and I don't mind giving somebody money if they just if, if they design something I think is really cool. How do you guys feel about that? I I feel there's nothing wrong with paying somebody for well done work. You know, if it's cool, it's proven to be useful. And because look, anything you design is going to take a couple hours. And if you just say, hey couple hours of my time is worth 10 20 bucks uh and so a lot of these are very reasonably priced items yeah i'm in with you guys on that i i know that you can donate on thingiverse to the designer or whatever it, i don't know if anybody ever does but um yeah designing some of these things take a lot more than just one time designing it too if it's on a page where you know it's a perfect it'll print Sometimes you're designing it three, four times to get it to be actually right. Um, and that goes along with, like, I post all my stuff, up, most of my stuff up on Thingiverse if I, you know, want to contribute to the community. But if it's something I haven't printed or I'm still working on, I always, you, there is an option to leave it um, still in development. It's, you know... And I do that if it's something that I haven't finished or I haven't got it just perfect yet. So, you know, if more people would do that, it'd be easier to tell the things that are proven printable. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I can tell you, I already bookmarked something to print. Um, one of the things I've done in my past is spend a lot of time with origami. 
but I'm especially fascinated with isometric, geometric designs of origami where you're making uh, like buckyballs, gecko spheres, um, geodesic domes, geodesic domes, dodecahedrons, spheres and balls and globes and stuff like that. And even, you know, cups and bowls and trays and things. And I found one here called Polygon Con, um, Construction Toys, um, where you're printing basically circles and what looks like almost like triangles, and you can print them out and make them into all kinds of like uh, shapes. Um, it's going to be, this link will be in the notes. This is the exact kind of thing that, let's say, like tickles my amygdala or something. Yeah, um, it, it's nice to find fun stuff to print just it looks good instead of you know just test cubes and benches all the time um i i don't think i've ever seen 3d at gogo um i'm glad to find a new place to look um i've i've stumbled across yegi now and then and i i think the craigslist comparison is extremely fair for thingiverse because it's it's you have hidden gems and just being buried with crap and um, every time I've gone to Yegi, it's it's turned up way worse than that. So it's it's kind of last ditch as far as Yegi goes. Gotcha, gotcha. Like when all else fails and you're getting ready to violate the Prime Directive, go to Yegi. Got it. And most likely, you'll still have to use the Prime Directive. I gotcha. Well, I'll say this, uh, Captain Zero. Thank you very much for that link. I enjoy being educated at all times in this. These are two two sites I'm definitely going to have to keep in my list of uh, sites to visit. Um, now, we're going to go on to at least this part topic. And this is the kind of topic, man, I hate to say this. It's almost like polit- it's almost like politics or religion because people have their favorites and they believe it's the right choice and whatever. And if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot. But it, it's basically, I'm going to use Cura as my slicer. Uh, I'm going to probably use Tinkercad for at least a little bit. Uh, um, something tells me I'm going to actually like it a lot. I'm going to have my oldest son using it. Um, but then the question is, what type of what type of um, filament should I use? And what brands are good, bad, and just plain ugly? Well, just starting with filament, I'm a noob. And I know you have PLA, high temp PLA, ABS, uh, PETG nylon and at least like one or two more and and the thing is to me me being lazy i bought a bunch of uh pla i bought i think it was six rolls i gotta send three to um jonas and i keep forgetting to introduce jonas sorry jonas um and i'm gonna stick with that for a while just because it's gonna be consistent um but before that jonas uh how's everything going this week number one number two have you had the opportunity to build break or learn this week is anyone talking? You just did. Uh, either Jonas got sick and tired of waiting for me, or he just became predisposed. Uh, hopefully, he will pop back, and hopefully, I will notice when he pop back. Um, so, oh, hey, hey, Jonas, are, are you there? I think you're getting the silent treatment door. Yeah, I see him, door. I just don't hear him. Well, silence isn't a bad thing because it's easy to edit out because it's silence. You don't have to edit it out. Okay. Uh, now I see my lips lit up. Hey, how you doing, man? Okay. Doing well. Last week I 
learned how to do the uh, velocity painting on objects. And then this week I've just been printing things that I need for parts for other stuff that I have. Um, can you do me a favor? Can you shoot me an email with some images of examples of velocity painting? Because I think I get it. It sounds really interesting, and it sounds like some really cool things can be made of it. But I want to uh, share pictures out in the notes, and this is the kind of thing I, I think I have to see to really get. There's some right there. I also posted some on the uh, the group Instagram. Oh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so this is a pink vase that looks like it has a design in it. So what I'm going to guess is the design on the vase is the design itself is printed at a different speed while the rest of the vase is printed at another speed. Right. Basically, whatever the design is, is the black part of whatever image you map to the object. So you start with an object, you export the uh, G-code, and you apply the script to the object. And the script is also taken as an argument, some image file that's a black and white image. And so it basically applies that map onto the object. And wherever the printer slows down is the dark part. And wherever it speeds up is the normal printed part. This is, a, this is nearly amazing. I have to believe somebody accidentally figured out when they printed at different speeds, they saw a different color. And then somebody else said, well, heck, I think we can use this. That's basically what I, uh, what I did. I sped mine up, and uh, then I understood what Jonas had uh, talked about the exact day before. So I was a little late to the party. This is like, I, I really don't want to say this too light. You guys got to check out these pictures. This is freaking amazing. This, this to me is the kind of thing that can take a normal print and literally make it into something where people are blown away by. I just sent you a big link. It's an album, but you can pull out the uh, Velocity Painted stuff. Basically what I did is I just put our company logo letters on a vase. I squished a, the orange vase that I showed you guys a couple weeks ago into a shorter vase and wider at one dimension. And then I applied the letters to that vase and it, it came out. If you remember those, um, oh, those puzzles you drew when you were a kid of really long letters. So you, you draw letters really long and you have to tilt the page to read the letters. It turns out kind of like that. It stretches the letters from the bottom to the top of the base. And so you got to kind of tilt it to see that they're actually letters you can recognize. Very cool. Yeah, th th this is the kind of thing in Photoshop you have to be a master to do. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's brand new or if it's just hitting the popular scene now, but um, I think we're going to see some really cool stuff with the velocity painting combined with lithographs. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. That would be a another step on that uh, on that design trail. I mean, litho paints. Sorry. Yeah, I've seen where they take the velocity paint or printing and uh, do like lampshades, and where it's where it's lighter, it shines through, so it, it gets that. You can almost see the image just popping out of the thing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, mind blown. This is just cool. Really, really cool. Okay, um, now the question is, what type of filament to use, what brands are good, what are bad, and what are just plain ugly? First, I'll say, 
do you guys would you guys consider there's a starter type of filament that uh everyone should use if they have a generic printer well i i would say start with pla um but i, I feel like you're asking brand maybe more than or uh, yeah a brand more than the actual chemistry of the filament i think probably the best thing to do is find out if you have a local supplier and what their cheapest continually in stock filament is try it out it may be a freaking total win i dealt with uh my first printer that i got i used a micro center brand that i used for a long time didn't realize how iffy of a filament it was until i got the you know the different brands so make sure you try at least two different brands when you start out you know if if they're unknown brands yeah and definitely rely on community if you have any available to you um i didn't know anybody when i started this so i just kind of guessed and went with eSun and it worked great um i've tried some other stuff that i would avoid maker geeks uh, Inland, Zealtech, Protopasta, I mean, so, so many companies. But my go-to right now is Zealtech followed up by eSun. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about filament and quality of it by brands and stuff, um, I think most of us use Zealtech a little bit for a inexpensive filament it is it performs very well now in the past they didn't have the greatest color selection but they are improving that um but then you get into some of the higher end stuff and i think that's just quality of the color is a lot lots of times is what you're paying for is that the quality of color and consistency of from spool to spool um I've bought in cheap brands that there is no consistency between spool to spool. So for the exact same uh, PLA to PLA, but by color, I mean, it's just so much different printing. And then you get another spool of it and it's just junk, you know, doesn't print. I've had to throw away a few spools of ABS. I don't know why seems to be I have bad luck with ABS so I tend to go eSun with the ABS stuff or Zealtech the last couple of rolls I've gotten from them are really good um, Hatchbox is an extremely popular one it's so popular that there seems to be some counterfeits going on as well um, their prices have been going up as have eSun lately um, but if I recall correctly Hatchbox actually lists the Panatone color code on their spools, so I would assume that means they're trying to keep more consistent color between spools as well. I've used Hatchbox yeah, I've ABS. Used... Yeah, I've had good luck with their ABS too, and that's what I was going to say. Sorry about that, Jonas. So far, um, we've used a bunch of different kind of ABS. Hatchbox is the only one I remember that was good. I don't recall the other brands, but as far as nylon, uh, Talman, T-A-L-M-A-N, yeah, something like that. They have really good uh, nylon, 
and tea glass. Uh, real consistent, prints well. You just have to know how to do it. I haven't used a lot of PLA. I'm sure the Zealtech will be fine. Um, eSun Pet G has been really good. I've been doing a lot of stuff with that lately. I got like three colors of that. Every one has been perfect. The uh, the Hatchbox does print very nice, but the one thing I had a problem with on it was it seemed to be much more weak than the other stuff I've printed with from a, a shattering, breaking, crushing standpoint. Um, probably not an issue for the average print where you're just making tchotchkes and toys and stuff like that, though. There's yeah, also a know, difference I, between colors and the quality. You, you can get the same brand in different colors, and they'll print just a little bit different. And so you, you got to sometimes adjust your temperatures as you change colors and kind of figure them out as you go. You know, I had uh, I actually had that same problem with the Hatchbox PLA um, with a couple of their colors that it was really brittle. And... Um, I didn't think anything anything of it until uh, until you just actually br uh, were talking about your uh, experience with the Hatchbox, Liam. The other thing is, as you get down to the end of the roll, depending on, I guess maybe it's the brand, but I've noticed some of the ABS does tend to be more brittle. I don't know if it's just because it's been out longer, but as you get tighter in the roll at the end where it rolls up on the uh, spool, it tends to break towards the last, you know, couple of feet or couple of yards. Yeah, I've noticed that with a lot of ABSs too. I don't know if it's like ABS doesn't like being wound that tight because it does have a once it's been stressed, it kind of loses some of its strength. I wonder if that ain't got a little bit to do with it. I'll just say Hatchbox. I might be buying me a roll of Hatchbox. They have specialty glow in the dark filament, which I'm telling you right now. If I print the right things glow-in-the-dark for my youngest son, he will flip out. That's really nice for stars and stuff stick on the ceiling. Any kind of little characters. Really neat stuff. Or come Halloween time, make a bunch of glow-in-the-dark eyeballs to stick in the windows. Yeah, I've got a roll of uh, glow-in-the-dark that Folger Tech sent me. Like, actually sent me. Um, for, I don't know, winning some sort of drawing thing. And uh, it it's pretty cool. It is neat to be able to print was something. Was that a real drawing? <laughs> it was. It it's nice to have uh, be able to print your own glow in the dark thing. And of course, you've got UV reactant and uh, other. I mean, multiple glow in the dark colors as well as UV reactant color changing ones. There's also temperature changing. So you change the temperature and the color changes from one color to the next. Those are pretty nice. I got one of those blue and white. I haven't done much with it, but I look forward to that. Yeah, see, uh, uh, just a quick tangent. I know sooner or later I'm going to at least look at the idea of a dual extruding head. So I can, in one single print, switch between, or a multi-head. So I can, on the fly, during a print, print different colors. And, and, and I mean, you know, so I could technically print a Homer Simpson head just have the right color filaments already loaded, and it, in the middle of the print, it will automatically change the color to the right color. Bang, 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 bang. And that's cool. But you now, 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 I can print stuff, 
I can print, for instance, a little Superman Lego figurine, but the S on his chest I can make glow. Oh, now I really like the idea of a multi-filament extruder. That, to me, sounds awesome. Yeah, um, being able to print with multiple filaments at the same time is definitely something I'm looking forward to. Um, when I'm printing stuff or designing, I, this is the reason I try to design things in pieces so they can be printed separately in different colors or materials and then combined after the fact. Plus, that's a lot faster than using something that's going to print with two different filaments to begin with. Well, one of the things I look forward to with a uh, dual extruder head is uh, printing the supports in, is it water-soluble wax? What is it? What is the filament? It's PVA, which is the glue stick, more or less. Uh, so that's crazy cool. Then basically, you print a finished part with no supports, no nothing. It's ready to work. Well, I mean, you are still got supports in there. You still have to remove them. You're just aided by the fact that it's water-soluble. Um, I, I still, even if I had something like that, because PVA is one expensive and messy, I, I just, I don't want to use supports because no matter how good the support is, you're still going to get, um, you're still going to get marks showing that there was support material, material there. Now, Liam, you said PVA, um, is that like, uh, hips, uh, that's a water soluble uh, filament too. Um, I thought hips needed a different kind of uh, solution to to dissolve it. Um, but yeah, PVA polyvinyl acetate. I, I think it's the same thing that white glue is. It's just um, when you get it in filament form, it's it's made to be printed with. So obviously, it's a much higher density material than white glue. I'm just glue. looking real quick. The PVA is forty-five a roll, and hips was sixty-five. Ouch! So, pricey stuff. Okay, I'm going to pass on that for now. So, here's the thing: the gist of the answer is, and I hate saying this, but it's true. It depends. There, you know, it depends on your humidity. It tempts it. It will. It will de um de um de depend on your printer. It will depend on your bed. It will depend on your environment. It will depend on the temperature settings. There's a lot of things. But I do think going to eSun or Zealtech, I think, is a good start. I do like the idea of buying two different rolls initially, like one PETG, one PLA, and trying to print them both and see which one comes out better first. And then you might want to stick with that one for at least a little while until you really learn of a good reason to change from ABS to PLA or whatever kind of thing. Um, I think everybody's in agreement. Don't buy stuff from major geeks. Now, hypothetically, your brother-in-law gets a 3D printer and you don't like him, buy a roll of some major geeks filament for him. Maker geeks, right? Maker geeks. Maker geeks. I always say major geeks, like the old download site. Sorry, maker geeks. And yes, maker geeks, if you hear this, mail at podnuts.com, shoot us an email. But everybody I've heard has well, like waited multiple months sometimes for shippings. Um and the filament just doesn't seem to be of the same quality of other people. I, for one, would like to see you do better because, man, competition is good for everybody, and it's going to be even better for your bottom line. I think the reason that most of most everybody bought the Maker Geeks product was the price point, you know? 
but now you got like Zeal Tech at a great price point. I mean, you can't beat that price point for the quality. That's my go-to PLA at least, you know. So don't just in that, you know, just because it's cheap or cost efficient doesn't mean it's junk, you know. Like you can get good economically priced filament. Well, Thomas Sandalaterer, uh, he did a, a pod, pod. I was gonna say podcast, a YouTube video, and it was what do you call it, printle, printleween, or kind of like a permutation of Halloween. And he charted Philoween. So he charted all of the filaments, and one of the things he came up with, one of the data points, was that there's no correlation between price and quality, and that the cheaper filaments were actually better than the more expensive filaments. Honestly, it doesn't shock me. Uh, spending money doesn't always mean better quality. And with, and I don't want to say something like this new, but 3D printers are still kind of new. So I'm sure there are plenty of people out there trying to make a name for themselves, selling stuff at a lower price that is a good, that is a good um, quality. All I got to say about Tom is that he's got to change his, his YouTube name. Because nobody I've ever seen can get his name right. I can't. Salanderer. Does he actually say it in his videos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Tom Salanderer. 3D printing Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of syllables. Um, okay, the next thing I'm going to push on the list, and I'm going to thank Aaron publicly for creating this list of things to talk about, because this is a good list. Um. Why is my print not sticking to the build plate? Again, I'm going to guess this is one of those depends things. I'm going to guess there's more than one possibility. But let's first go with what you guys think is the highest probability reason why your print is not sticking to the build plate. Pebcack. Problem exists between keyboard and chair. But this is a 3D printer. There's no keyboard. Yeah, but there's still a pebcacking there. Uh, loose nut. So the first level bed... Level bed, first layer height, and temperature. Yeah, that was the first thing I was going to guess. The distance between Z when it's at zero, when your vertical is all the way down, is not close enough to your bed. I'm going to guess is the, it, it, it is the easiest way to not have your print stick. Yeah. Um, leveling, temperature to a lesser degree, at least in my experience. And then whatever adhesion you're, you're working on there, followed up closely by crap filament. Go, Chad. Well, I was just going to say temperature can have a lot to do with um, your, as you're printing, it starts peeling up. Not like your first layer sticks good, but then it starts rolling up after as you're printing, like you're, 10 layers up, 20 layers up, and it starts, you can start seeing it almost popping up. That could be, I know with PLA, I've had the problem where, you know, you start printing at 70, 70 degrees, and it's just the combination of the heat that's coming from the bed and your filament and your environment causes the print to deform. You know, PLA deforms at a lower temperature than other materials. So, you know, temperature can have a lot to do with it. So just to think about that, it's not, you know, you may want it really hot when you start, 
but then you can cool it down after you get good layer adhesion. Yeah, going back to filament a little bit to touch on what Chad was talking about. Um, something to look at when you're purchasing filaments and part of what you're paying for on premium filaments is a lower um, shrinkage ratio percentage. Um, all filaments can expand and shrink some. Some's going to do it more. Um, you, you, you print a an 8-inch bar across there. You're going to get a lot of warpage if you're not trying to plan for that. Um, whether it's maintaining a consistent temperature or allowing things to cool down more slowly so the stresses have time to work themselves out as the uh, or as the layers above are pulling on the ones below you you want those forces to be pretty similar um, if you've got something that has a high shrinkage ratio because it's cheap filament and you're printing something that's likely to warp and you're on layer two and you're cooling it down super fast because your fan just kicked on and it's in a 40 degree um, garage, you're, you're, you're going to have a bad day. Well, then you also have to think about um, the plate surface volume. You know, I, I've noticed that the larger the volume of your surface to plate, you know, that first layer volume tends to cause some curling of the edges more than other because shrinkage can be multiplied by how big of a surface it is. So, yeah, that's something to think about, too. Well, and I'm going to throw this out there. I have a glass bed. I'm taking it because of some people's reactions. Not everyone at least gets or starts or has a glass bed in the beginning. So could a non-perfectly flat bed also be a culprit to not being able to stick? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I would group that in with the leveling part. Um, yeah, you've got different kinds of leveling. You just have dead level, and then you have where you can do mesh leveling to account for that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, dead level is best, but this is the real world, and sometimes that just doesn't happen, so you've got to make compromises where you have to level for the majority of the print surface versus the, the corners. Right, so, it, so if your bed isn't perfectly flat, maybe you can't print center. Maybe you always have to print a little bit to the X or a little bit negative Y in order to get a print to stick properly. Right, or that's right. where rafts come in. I, I hate rafts. They're slow. They can leave marks all over the bottom like supports do. They're wasteful, but for some styles of printers... You're going to print everything on a raft just due to the way the, the surface, the build surface is made. Um, I, I've used four or five rafts since I started printing just because I hate them. Yeah, to go along with Liam there, <clears throat> I have an aluminum bed. And when I first got it, man, that thing was pretty level. But after heating and cooling, heating and cooling... It's all warped now. You know, it's not majorly warped. So, but you can tell, you, you put a straight edge on it, you can see gaps in it in places. So, I used to print with rafts a lot until I got the auto bed leveling put on mine. And that does the mesh leveling, so it can take some of that into effect. And now I don't really have the problem, so... 
Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so that's so there really is a bunch of different things, and those are things you can address if your print is not sticking. Um, also, I'm going to say, oh, some people I think maybe it's just the material, maybe it's just the filament or the bed plate material or the filament, where you're just going to have to use uh, Capcom tape or um, purple glue stick or something else, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've I've had zero luck printing on glass, bare glass, until I got the um, A-net sitting here to my left and the CR-10 sitting to my right. Um, on retrospect, I think a lot of that had to do with the temperatures I was printing at, but I also think on the Wanho, one of the pieces of glass I got wasn't necessarily borosilicate, and it feels like even on these versus that one that when the glass is warmer it's stickier like i mean there's a you, you touch it and it kind of feels grippy um versus normal like plate glass or window pane glass um i i don't know if anybody else has noticed that but i mean on a, a nice clean you know windex and iso isopropyl alcohol cleaned it warms up it gets a little bit stickiness to it and that really seems to make a huge difference William, where'd you get your glass for the ANET? Good old Amazon. I found that PET-G and nylon stick really well to Kapton tape. I wasn't able to get the PET-G to stick very well to the glass myself. Um, I'll try PLA and see if that does better. Probably will. But then also PLA does really good on um, blue tape. Now... I use Kapton tape as a surface only because I like the finish it gives on the parts. It is like glass smooth, you know. And <laughs> I've tried um, with the Kapton tape, <laughs> um, TPU on that stuff almost bonds like they are one piece. It it sticks it sticks almost better than the tape sticks to the surface. To the aluminum bed but with a little bit of water and alcohol it almost slides off so some people have i know i've seen where people get concerned about using captain tape or pe whatever tape because stuff sticks to it too good and that's where different methods of removal are needed to be looked at well, yeah, now you take, now, uh, I want to say if I'm trying to do this by memory, Chad, 80% water, 20% alcohol in like a, um, um, sprayer, like a, uh, like a spray bottle. I use a 50, 50 mix and I use just a squirt bottle cause I don't like spraying it all over everywhere. It gets too fine of a mess with a spray bottle. Okay. So almost like a, um, a sports drink bottle, like spray. Yeah, basically, I had an empty uh, rubbing alcohol bottle, and I mixed it up in that. Gotcha, gotcha. It's got the little squirt squirt end on it. Yeah. And then you just put it there, and then you wait a couple of seconds, and it, like, soaks underneath the print kind of thing and just pops it off. Yeah, it almost like it creates, like, it gets under there, and I think it's got something to do with just the cooling factor. It's changing the temperature of the plastic faster than it's changing the bed, and the lubrication of the water and alcohol, you know, the alcohol starts evaporating, causing air gaps and stuff at the heat, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. Because I will say, um, 
and I was always afraid to like hit the bottom of the print with the uh, like uh, scraper on my one of my prints. And I'm thinking, I'm, I, 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 I don't want to break something. I don't want to break something. It's one of those things you have to keep trying, it. and then you figure out all you got to really do is just put it up against the edge of the print for it's my printer, and just give it a little whack, just a little like how. Um, a former owner of Steve of Podnuts, Steve C, used to believe in burping his laptops once in a while, putting them on his shoulder and just patting them, burping them. But a little bit of firmness to him, just like with the printer, just a little bit of firmness to the to the pat, and it seems like my prints are just popping right off with really no issue. No issue. Yeah, that works great if you got a hard surface to do it from. But like with the Kapton tape, you do that. And you're going to be ripping your tape. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so after lots of replacing the tape, lots and lots, I mean, I went through, oh, I don't know, seven different applications of the Kapton tape. You know, you get about 10 prints in and you'd have to replace it. Now I've had the same one on there and I've done well over 150 different prints in the same area. And with the water and alcohol, I got one little damaged area. That was my fault. I tried to pop a uh, air bubble in there. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Squeegee it out <laughs> or reapply. Popping it doesn't work because then you create an air gap. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the alcohol water thing. I just, oh my god, that's that's life changing. I, uh, I, I've had no qualms about taking uh, the backside of my. Um, scrape spatula and just whack a print to bust it loose um i i don't have to do that anymore <laughs> um you, you can catch catch the edge right under the catch catch the lip of the your spatula under the edge or you can just hit it with alcohol i use a little little tiny spray bottle and just completely coat the thing and it does seem like it's a it's a combination of some lubricity and capillary action and some cooling sucking it in that just gets it under there and lets it slide off it's 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 life-changing from from a print standpoint okay well i have a very important question uh liam did you get your spatula from spatula city yeah um they had this deal where you buy 10 you get the or nine you get the 10th one for just a penny that's awesome did you get the left-handed one I, this one's ambidextrous. It's amazing. I think that was made by communist. And then uh, something I've been using as well is just plain old uh, razor blades. You can use the, the straight edge ones, like the safety razor ones, or uh, even just the utility ones that come in like the hunter pack from uh, Harbor Freight. Those work great for just getting under the edge to to get it to lift off on your like non-heated beds or your beds where you're using glue stick and stuff like that. And I think Richard just uses Rambo's knife, so... Well, he is by the jungle. The jungles of Palm Beach, yes. Well, technically you're closer to the jungle than I am. Well, he does have anacondas. Well, that that is true. We do have uh, the snake hunts here, but jungle, are, are you talking about DC? What are you talking about, Dor? What the jungle, the tropics, the tropic cancer, tropic Capricorn? Yes. Alligator hangout? Crocodiles? I cannot confirm or deny that I've actually shot an alligator. Alrighty. Um, the, the next thing Aaron has in the list is now what to print. Up, upgrades fun or cool? 
again, I'll say this. There is no right answer. You got to print something. Well, no, I say none of them. Liam, if I'm not mistaken, you don't print any of them first. You first print a model to like stress test your printer. And what you have is like a test cube, which gives you a better idea of if settings need to be tweaked or changed, correct? I mean, I wouldn't say it's so much a stress test as it is just a calibration cube of sorts. I mean, it's nothing super stressful. It's just, hey, do I have ringing? Um, do I have any adhesion issues? How does it hand, handle basic overhangs and bridging? Um, how does my slicer handle the fact that this is smaller and needs to slow down the printer to accommodate things not being overheated? And I think we all pretty much use that same test cube, which is nice because then we can see the differences between each print printer, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I will then ask you guys, uh, Brett, what was the very first thing that you printed? Oh, let me rephrase that. What was the very first thing you printed successfully? Yeah, there's a big difference between those two. Um, first thing I printed was a fidget spinner. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um no, the first thing I printed, I believe, was a um, pegboard holder for my Amazon Echo, and it turned out pretty good. Um, it was a big print, but uh, at least for the size of my printer, but it turned out really good. Very cool. Uh, Aaron? What? What was the first thing I printed? Um, ooh, you know, I think, honestly, it was... It was a test cube of sorts, and then uh, and then for at that time I had the Wanho Duplicator i3, and then it was uh, started printing upgraded parts. Gotcha, gotcha, Chad. Well, my first actual successful print besides the little calibration cube was a all-in-one puzzle box type deal. It prints as one piece, but it folds up into a box. So it was like one STL file, and it does it calibrates for it was designed for the gapping. So all you did is you took it off the plate and it folded into a box. So it's kind of cool. Okay, well I'm going to ask you to send me that STL file if you have it available because that sounds awesome. Uh, Rich, a fidget spinner coffin. Uh, oh uh, no. Uh, what I guess it was on the SD card. So I have the Inet A8. I3, so it's the Prusa I3 clone, and uh, on the SD card was a, like the bottom of a box, you know, a small box, so you have the base and then the four sides, and that printed successfully. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, uh, Jonas? Oh, pretty much we started out with little toy figurine things, and then we went to pegboard tool holders, and then straight to Raspberry Pi cases. That's awesome. And Liam, man, I'm trying to, I've already heard such a broad range of things. I can only, I have no idea. What did you do? Uh, first thing I printed was the OK hand that was included as a test code on the Wanho. Uh, it came out beautiful. It took forever because it printed at a point one, so they could really show off their uh, printer. And it printed on a raft, which, again, I mean, that thing took like three and a half hours. It was retarded long. Um, but it looked amazing, and I still got it. Uh, printed it out with the blue filament that was included as a, with the printer. It's floating around somewhere. I think it's at my office. And then right after that, I went into a uh, printed sword handle. 
Very cool, very cool. Yeah, first thing I printed, uh, Liam sent me the test cube, and then Liam sent me uh, um, Minecraft. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. Oh, I was a skeleton. Skeleton, okay. Yeah, I was, I was going to call them Stalfos from Legend of Zelda, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh, okay, um, the last thing is, why am I getting crappy prints? And that is an ultra-vague, vague thing to ask, Aaron. So... I'll say there's all kinds of different, I'm going to guess, all different kinds of crappy prints uh, that you can get. And I'm going to guess the typical answers are going to come first, which is filament and temperature. Um, and I'm going to guess they're going to be the two most populous reasons for bad prints, maybe. Well, that and, of course, what we've been talking about most of the night, you know, is your bed leveled. Um are you using some kind of adhesion to, um, you know, keep the print, you know, sticking to your uh, sticking to your bed? Um, let's see what else. Uh, quality. Make sure the filament hasn't been sitting out for too long. Maybe, you know, it might have an issue with that, or it's just crappy. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good portion of it. I know I'm forgetting something. How about trying to go too fast? On the speed. Yes, yes. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I know a big thing is with the speed thing is you got to learn patience with this 3D printing stuff because, oh, God, I don't know how many times I wanted to crank it up to 11 and just go, but, you know, sometimes you just get a better print at 9 or whatever, you know? So... Just be patient. Eleven. I'm pretty <laughs> like sure 14. Liam twitched. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say. I'm like Liam sent me videos of his thing cranked up to what was that three or four hundred percent? It was something ridiculous, and he's all like, "Yeah, it's pretty fine." The uh, <laughs> it's a spinal tap thing. Come on. The FT5 maxes out at nine ninety nine percent. Oh my. Um, it can't it can't maintain that. I mean, the acceleration is an instant. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it was trying to print it, it, you know, 300 millimeters a second. There's no way it was reaching that The thing was shaking like a, a washing machine full of bricks, but it did it confidently. Yeah. What were you printing? I don't even remember now. Um, I think the, one of the ones you watched was a, uh, a Zelda rupee. That's what it was. Yeah, you were doing those big Zelda rubies, and you're like, sit. he sends me a message. He's like, check this out quick, quick, quick. <laughs> He's like, this is 400%. Wow, that's nuts. Um, okay, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add into the show? I will say uh, we're going to keep trying to Instagram the pictures that we make. Uh, we're going to keep what I'm going to have a goal now, it, at least a, a, a few of us every week bringing a uh stl file is my logic uh to the show of something that we printed that we thought was cool or that we saw and it was like a proof of printing thing that we just thought was really cool like a showcase stl of the week kind of thing um uh but is there anything else you guys wanted to uh talk about um i want to go back and talk about um print quality and layer adhesion or uh keeping it on the bed um I like to print really, really hot. Like my PLA, if I'm if I'm printing something that needs to be strong, I'm 20 degrees over the highest recommended temperature on it. And if you don't figure that in for 
uh, cooling it down slowly or controlled, you're going to get a lot of warping on the print. So if you're having problems printing, try dropping it down 10 degrees or start at the low end of the suggested print temperatures because then there's less stress in the um, print to begin with. Um, I have one thing. We were talking about different kinds of filament and stuff. Um, the pro to do a proper switch over of your filaments from uh, ABS to PLA, whatever, um, to do, you know, you heat it up, heat your, heat your extruder up, let it cool a little bit, and then pull it out so that everything comes out in one, one shot. And then to, when you're loading your next, when you're loading your filament, heat it to the temperature of your previous filament. So if you're going from ABS to PLA, heat your, heat your extruder up to the temperature of the ABS that you are running so that you can get all that ABS out of there. Otherwise, if you're printing it at PLA temperatures and there's just a little bit of ABS hanging up, it can cause a clog very easily because the temperatures are not the same that they print at. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'd say for the newer person, I would say if you want to switch colors, maybe stick with the same type of filament, PLA to PLA or ABS to ABS, so you, that is less of an issue? Yeah, the biggest issue color-wise, if you're just going from PLA to PLA color-wise or whatever, as long as there ain't a massive temperature change in between the two temperatures you extrude at, it's probably not a big deal, but when you're changing, especially your, you know, whatever runs at higher temperatures and you're going to something that runs at cooler temperatures, I know I've had the problem. I think a few of us in here have. So, you know, just be prepared to uh, do a proper switch over. Yeah, learning how to do a cold pull and properly change filaments is going to save you so much headache, especially if you're running a Bowden. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I, I want to thank you guys for coming out. I want to thank everyone for sending in their emails. And do not forget, if you want to send emails, just send it to themakers at podnuts.com. Email link is in the notes on your mobile player. Just keep clicking on the show itself, on the album art itself, and you should see the notes. And right there is the email address. Um, keep them coming. If you want to send us a voicemail, 7076-PODNUT. If you want to come on the show, just contact us. You can come on the show. Uh, we are hosting this on a Mumble server. Technically, there's no reason why we can't have literally 100 people on this server at one time. It might make for a five-hour show, but, you know, it's definitely possible we could do it. Um, thank everyone for their support. Thanks for everyone for downloading, and we will talk to everyone again real soon.